How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lopes. Join me every Monday as we dive into what it looks like to be men who fall in love with Jesus and help our families do the same. You can learn more about our books, resources, conferences, and even online community by going to dadtired.com. Let's dive into today's episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the Dad Tired Show. Great to be back here with you. If you're not already plugged into the Dad Tired community on Facebook, definitely recommend that you go hang out with us over there. Uh, we've got tons of guys from all over the world who are plugged into that group, and uh, it's a great place to meet other guys potentially in your city or community and uh, and to just process the stuff that you were learning on the podcast. So again, if you're not plugged into the closed Facebook group, make sure you get plugged in over there. Right before I started this episode, uh, my son came up to me and he said, Dad, can I have a new cell phone? Uh, he's eight, <laughs> uh, about to be nine. And uh, and so I said, no, of course not. And he said, well, when can I have my, uh, when can I get my own phone? And I said, um, maybe when you get your own job or when you're old enough, maybe like at 42, you can have your own cell phone. Uh, that might seem like an age that we can talk about this again. And uh, obviously, <laughs> he was frustrated by that answer, but he has no reason, no reason, uh, no need to have a cell phone whatsoever. So anyway, uh, it made me start thinking, though, because he was like, I'm not old enough to have a job. I'm never, what, that's going to take me so long to have like a real job. And it made me start thinking about my first job and the first job that I had. Uh, one of the first jobs that I ever had was actually at a grocery store and I worked at a discount grocery store. I was 15 years old and I worked at a dis- discount grocery store where we would actually get all the products from the big chain grocery stores that were not able to make it into their store. So either they ordered too much and they just had extra or like, for example, they would have like a maybe a jar, a box full of jarred pickles and one of the boxes or one of the jars within the box broke open and it got all over the other jars. And so they would just send that whole box over to this discount grocery store. And I would, my job was to, at 15, I was in the back and I would break open these boxes and it'd just be gross, nasty. Like, you know, imagine a jar of uh, pickle juice that had been sitting out for like five days in the hot California sun. Uh, And so my job was to like wipe down all the other jars to clean them all up and then go stock the shelves with all the extra stuff. So that was my first job. And uh, I remember I was so grateful I had a job. It felt cool that I was like making my own money, but I just, I hated it. Uh, I remember clocking in. I wanted to know like exactly how much I was getting paid all day at that job. I was constantly doing the math and trying to figure out how much I was going to make that day, how much money was going to actually end up in my check and in my bank account. And, uh, and I was just counting down the hours. I hated that I was sitting back there by myself in the hot warehouse, cleaning up pickle juice off of these jars. And it was just miserable, man. I was just like, this sucks. <laughs> and I was just, I, w- I remember just looking at the clock and feeling like the hours went by and I just couldn't wait to just like, tell me what to do. I'll do my job. I'll, I'll do it with a somewhat decent attitude. And then uh, as soon as that clock hits, whatever time I can get out of here, I'm clocking out and uh, I'm never looking back, you know, until the next day when I have to come back and do the whole thing over again. But it's just miserable. And I was constantly thinking about like, what is this job? What am I going to get out of it? How much money am I going to get paid? How much longer do I have to put up with this until I can get a better job, you know, at 15, 16 years old? And um, it made me start contrasting that. Like, so that scenario, you can probably think back to your first job and think through, maybe you had an awesome first job. Uh, or loved it. Most of us had jobs, you know, we had to kind of work our way up in the system. And so you probably had to do something that you didn't love doing. And so you, you, I was contrasting that my very first job or one of my very first jobs with 
uh, later down the line. Now, recently, I've, um, you know, in the last five, six years of my life, I've started a business and started an organization. And so it's just with that has come more opportunities to lead people and to try to like think through, okay, where are we headed as a company? What changes do we need to make? What, where are we not doing well? Where can we do better? Where can we help the team do better? And just thinking through those two different jobs. And I started to think like in one sense, uh, my mindset as an employee was incredibly different than my mindset as an owner or as a founder of an organization. There's two totally different mindsets. And I started to think about how we as men, we as husbands and fathers can oftentimes approach our leadership within the family either uh, as kind of a disgruntled employee or as a CEO, as a successful CEO. And something recently, uh, I don't remember exactly what it was. I don't remember if it was a conversation I had with my wife or interaction I had with my kids, but I just started to think to myself like, okay, if I'm the spiritual leader of my home and I am called by God to help lead our family closer to him and to move us forward on this mission of making disciples and helping them fall in love with Jesus and then being used to help other people come to know Jesus and to fall in love with him. Like if I'm called to do that well, like is what would it look like for me if I actually saw my role as the CEO of this family, a successful CEO who's actually leading us forward? And it's crazy the mindset, like the shift in the mindset um, that can happen when you see yourself as a CEO versus just an employee. So let me give you an example. An employee, uh, especially like a, a disgruntled employee, will often think through things like, uh, what is what am I going to get out of this job? Is it best for me? Uh, what is what kind of benefits are you going to give me? And when those things don't happen, oftentimes a disgruntled employee will be frustrated. They'll get bitter. They'll start to compare their job with other jobs. Man, I should have, but that guy's got a better job than I do, or their boss is better than my boss, uh, or their team is better than my team. And you start to maybe feel the sense of bitterness towards your job, or maybe even towards your team. And you, you even start to maybe isolate, like, man, just tell me what to do. I'll get my job done. I'll clock in, I'll clock out, and then I'll be over with. And I think sometimes, I think what I'm fearful of is that for us as men, sometimes we start to see ourselves as employees of the family. We have an employee mindset in the family, and we're just thinking through, how is this going to benefit me? And when it doesn't, when the family or when my wife or when the whole family union isn't working towards benefiting me and making my life happier or better, I start to either compare, like, man, look at that guy's family. He's got a better family than I do. Or maybe his wife seems like she's better than my wife or their kids are better than my kids. Or they seem to be operating health. How come their kids are obedient? How come their kids are always got their stuff together or their his wife does this or whatever? And we start to compare and then maybe even get senses, uh, this sense of bitterness where we start to isolate ourselves just like an employee would. We're like, ah, eh, I don't really want to be part of this team. I don't respect this team. I don't value this team. And so I'm just going to go do my own thing. I'll clock in, I'll clock out, I'll do what I'm supposed to do, but I'm really doing this by myself. And I think for many of you, uh, I think the some of us as men and some of you who are listening who might feel that even if you haven't uh, consciously articulated that, you have this subconscious w going on within you where you've actually convinced yourself that you would be better off alone and operating alone. And and again, I don't, I don't mean that by like, you mean you're going to divorce and like bail out on your family, although maybe you have some of those thoughts, but maybe just subconsciously, you're kind of running independently, like an employee who's frustrated at work would, thinking through just, I'll do what I'm supposed to do. I'll go to work. 
I'll come home, I'll have a beer, I'll check out, or what maybe the, I'll watch this TV show, or I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll whatever the thing is that's like you checking out, and then like you're, you're just done. I'll go to bed and I'll do it over again, and kind of just don't bother me. Like I'm, I don't, I'm part of the team, but I don't, I'm not necessarily like super involved with the team. And really, you're operating more as a disgruntled or frustrated employee more than you are a CEO. I hear guys say things all the time like, well, she just tells me what to do, so I do it. Uh, she just told me what to do, so I did it. Guys, you know, when you're when talking through your wife and your relationship, your wife, you're just there's a lot of men who are just kind of waiting around for instruction, waiting to be told what to do. And then when you're told to do, told what to do, you do it and you, and you clock out. She told me to do the dishes, so I did. She told me to take the kids here, or take the trash out. She told me to do this, so I just did it. And really what that is, man, is that's just like passive. That's super passive. That's not even leadership. That's not even close to spiritual leaders. Just really passive. Like you're just a disgruntled, you're a frustrated employee that's part of a team and you're, and you're growing bitterness. So if any of that relates, if you can relate to that on any level, whether it's very minor and it's like, man, I don't totally feel that, but there are some times where I just feel like I'm doing what my wife tells me to do or I'm just doing what I need to, the minimum that I need to get done for my family. Uh, whether it's, you know, you're on that low end of the spectrum all the way to like, Jared, you're like, you're, it's, you're reading my diary here. This is exactly what I'm feeling, man. I just like, I'm frustrated. I'm comparing myself. I'm comparing my wife to other wives. I'm comparing my kids to other kids. I'm comparing our family to other families. I'm frustrated. I'm isolating myself. I don't feel part of the team wherever you're at there. Like, I just want to like take a few minutes and encourage you to shift your mindset from kind of disgruntled, frustrated employee, frustrated team member, and to start thinking through what would it look like to be the CEO. I've been doing this for the last several weeks. I don't know what hit me, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, I don't don't know what flip, what switch flipped in my head where I just started to think, okay, if I were a successful CEO and this family were my little organization or business, what would a successful CEO do in this situation to help the team thrive? Um, so here are five things that I came up with. I just went on a walk with my family recently and I was, uh, I, actually Layla was at work and I was just hanging out with the kids. And so the kids were off ahead on the scooter. And I just had some time. I was, I was pushing my baby on the stroller and just kind of thinking through and it was quiet. And I was just thinking through, man, if we were successful CEOs of our families, what do successful CEOs do that are different than what frustrated employees do? So what are five things CEOs do that? frustrated employees don't do. And uh, again, there's there's probably hundreds of things that a successful CEO could do to run a successful organization. But here are just five that came to the top of my head as I was taking a walk. The, the first thing is uh, a successful CEO sets vision instead of being told where to go and what to do. So a good CEO, not every CEO does this, but a good CEO will say, okay, I'm constantly looking out for where are we headed as an organization? And instead of just waiting, so an employee, especially in a frustrated employee, is just, you tell me what to do, I'll get my job done, and that's the end of our relationship here. The opposite of that is a successful CEO says, no, I'm not waiting for somebody to tell me what to do. I'm actually going to set vision for where we're going. I'm not going to be waiting. I'm going to help charge our family towards a goal, a unified goal. And this is what spiritual leadership looks like for you 
as a as a husband and as a dad that's trying to lead your family instead of just sitting back and being told what to do your wife tells you what to do maybe your kids are i wish you would do this dad or how come you don't always do this instead of that instead of waiting for that to happen a successful dad who's leading his family spiritually and doing it well is thinking through okay where is god calling us as a family where are some things where are places we want to go where are things that we want to do and by places i don't mean like physical like what vacation do you want to go on i mean you're setting the trajectory and the vision for where you want what does you what do you want your family to look like 5 years from now 10 years from now 20 years from now 100 years from now 200 years from now like what kind of legacy are you wanting to live like you're setting that kind of vision and then you're speaking that vision to your wife and to your kids as often as you can let me just tell you a little secret about leadership you can't expect to say something once and it for it to stick forever um well kids i told you to do that you know three months ago or i told you this is what our family was going to be about last year or babe i told didn't i tell you that this is what we were going to try to do no like good leaders have to cast vision almost daily. There's a saying that says vision bleeds. Like it, it is very hard to stick and you need to, as a leader, continually cast vision over and over and over. I was just talking to my son this morning. I try to wake up early before my kids get up and I was just praying and he woke up before his little, we have a little, uh, you know, the stoplight alarm clocks and when it turns green, he can come out of his room. And so it, he got up before that. And so I tell him, if you get up before that, that's okay. You can come down, but you have to join me in prayer. You have to join me in studying the Bible. You have to join me in like processing what God wants us to process. So he got down with me on the floor. I was on the floor and we, I was just praying through stuff and I was reading scripture and I was talking to him about, you know, we were reading in Proverbs about how basically bad company corrupts good morals. Uh, if you want, you will essentially be who your friends are and we're processing that. And I remember thinking like, this is something that's going to have to come about every single day. Like I have to cast this kind of vision to him daily. I can't expect to have this one good conversation with him and it's just going to stick. Good leaders, good CEOs are constantly keeping the vision in front of the organization. And as a father who wants to lead their family well, a husband who wants to lead your wife well, we have to constantly be setting the vision. Here's who we are as a family. This is what the Lopes do. Uh, that's me, not Lopez. <laughs> this is what the Lopes do. Here's here's the, the, the ethos. Here's the culture of our family. We always do this. We look out for the vulnerable. We protect other people. We speak truth in life. We're salt and light. We're constantly casting vision. This is who we are. So again, one of the things that a good CEO does is he sets vision instead of being told where to go and what to do. You're helping your family see and get a glimpse into the future where you want to be 5, 10, 15, 100, 200 years from now as a family. So that's the first thing. Second thing is this. Uh, a good CEO is going to check in with each member of the team, and he also has a good gauge on the overall morale of the team. So a disgruntled, a frustrated employee is just going to be thinking about like himself, man, I'm frustrated. Nobody, this job isn't for me. You guys aren't looking out for me. What do you mean I'm going to get a pay cut? What do you mean you're not giving me this benefit? How come I have to work these hours? Whatever it is, right? Where a good CEO is going to say, okay, instead of it being all about me, I'm going to check in with my team. How's my team doing? Like I'm going to set one-on-one -on -one dates with my kids. I'm going to set time aside with my wife. I'm going to check in on your heart. Like, how are you doing? Do you feel valued? Is there anywhere where you don't feel valued? Are you, again, 
the best leaders, I always say this all the time, the best leaders ask the best questions. Get good. Keep practicing on asking really good questions to bring out what's going on underneath the surface of your wife and kids. Get Practice this over and over and over again. I can't emphasize this enough. Think through really good questions if you have to. Sometimes, <laughs> this sounds weird, but when I'm like taking a shower or using the restroom, probably too much t- TMI here for you. I apologize. But sometimes, man, before I even approach my wife and I'm quick to speak, I try to be slow and just ask, what what two questions could I ask right now that are going to get underneath the service? And I'll play out like two or three different scenarios in my head and really try to ask like to myself, what are these questions that I can ask that are going to really bring out what's going on deep within her heart or within my kid's heart? So again, get good at practicing good questions and then check in with each member of your team. Dude, the worst CEOs, and you guys know this, you have bosses, you have people that you work for that just suck. They have no idea what the team is feeling. They're just leading, they're bulldozing people down. They have no idea that they're just leaving a wake of destruction behind them. And people are actually pissed and mad and disgruntled and they don't feel valued and they're frustrated and they don't want to come to work and they're talking about that guy or that girl behind their, that woman behind their back, right? Like we all have had leaders who do this. The best leaders are one who actually sit down and say, man, no, wait, tell me what's going on. Where are you falling short? Where do you feel like you're not being set up for success? Like, how can I set you up to succeed better? Like, that's what good CEOs do. That's what people who want to really engage and to get a good pulse on the family. That's what a good leader does is he has a good pulse. And so you're setting aside a time, setting time aside as a leader to really spend one-on-one time with each of your kids, one-on-one time with your wife and really asking good questions and getting a good overall morale. Uh, One thing that we've been doing as a family is having team meetings three times a week. Uh, I'm actually, I'm not going to go deep into that because Layla and I are going to do a whole podcast on how we've been doing our team meetings. Um, But this is a way for us as a family to really check in like overall team around. How's the team doing? How are we as a little organization doing? What are, what are, things within the uh, the process of our family that aren't working well. And that actually uh, leads me into the, the third point, which is a good CEO recognizes flaws in the system and then creates solutions or empowers the team to solve the problem. So again, an employee, a disgruntled employee is just going to say, man, this sucks. They're never going to get this right. Why do they do that? This process sucks. We've all been in positions where we, we recognize that the process is whack. Like, man, you shouldn't be doing what if we should be doing things like this, not like this. Why are they setting us up to do it like that? So a CEO, a good CEO is going to think through, okay, what are ev- what's every like part of the system? And are there is there is there like a kink in the hose in the process in the way that we do things? Is there somewhere where something's getting stuck? Is there somewhere where things aren't flowing well? And so a good CEO is going to say, okay, I'm going to come in and like let's really dissect that and figure out what's going on. And so if there's things in your family like, man, we're not resting well, or maybe always at like bedtime where we find ourselves fighting. Okay, so that's a kink in the system. There's a there's a knot in the hose. When five o'clock between five and six, our family like has straight up meltdowns. Or maybe bedtime is meltdown city, right? Like it bedtime is just chaos, and you just dread that part of your night or your part every day, that part of the day every day. And so that's a kink. That's something. That, or maybe there's a situation where like you and your wife, every time this situation happens, uh, you find yourself in argument or fighting or kind of button heads against each other. And so again, that, that's a kink in the system. Uh, an, a disgruntled employee is just frustrated, right? You're not thinking through pro- solving the problem. You just kind of complain about it. 
But a good CEO, a leader is going to say, okay, what, what do we need to, how can we dissect this problem and really help figure out what is it that's happening before and after that kink, that knot in the hose that we can start to fix so that that thing gets taken care of. Maybe we need to slow down and have, uh, so here's one thing, again, these team meetings have helped bedtime. So if you find bedtime to be a little bit crazy and chaotic, Oftentimes your kids recognize that you're just trying to shove them to bed really quickly and get rid of them. Most of the time your kids want emotional comfort before they go to bed and kind of a last feeling of safety and love that they're valued, that they're listened to, that they're loved, that it's not just chaos. And so what we've been doing is before bedtime, we turn off all the screens, start to turn off the lights. I do this about an hour and a half, an hour before bedtime. And then what what I've been trying to do is actually Instead of just the bedtime routine being brush your teeth, get some water, go lay down, uh, put your pajamas on, part of the bedtime is brush your teeth, get some water, put your pajamas on, and then we actually sit on the couch. Again, lights are pretty dim and low. This is very practical stuff here. Sit on the couch and start to like calm down a little bit. Hey, what was the highlight of your day? And what was the worst part of your day? Anything stick out to you today? And again, we'll do these on kind of bigger conversations during our team meetings, but implementing parts of the nighttime routine, which actually calms them down and winds them down. What a CEO does is recognize, okay, bedtime was chaotic. What can I start to do to help that chaos? And one of the things that I've found to be helpful if, if bedtime routine specifically is hard for you is actually sitting time, spending you know, 10, 15 minutes with your kids just quietly. Sometimes it's just on their bed. I'm rubbing their back. I'm talking to them and they feel a sense of like, oh, I'm safe. I'm loved. And that actually helps wind them down as opposed to me just saying, hey, get in bed and go into your room and, and get to sleep. Stop being loud. Stop being crazy. So again, I, I, I kind of diverted a little bit into a very specific problem like bedtime routine. But zooming out, uh, a leader is going to think through all the, the whole system. He's going to zoom out, not just see himself as one frustrating part, but he's going to zoom out and say, okay, what part of this system needs to be worked on? Uh, the the fourth thing here is that you, a good CEO is going to prioritize their own spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical health. Here's the truth. As an employee, like when I was a 15-year-old kid uh, working at that grocery store, the truth is uh, I could miss a few days and the business was not going to fail, right? There were other leaders, there were other people there who could really hold down the fort and things would be fine. And so as an employee, I kind of knew that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I matter here a little bit, but I'm really, I'm just like an extra set of hands. Anybody could do my job. It's not that big of a deal. If I get fired, I can be replaced very easily. Um, when you think through that way as a dad, like I can re be replaced here. I don't have that big of a role here. Um, my, you know, me showing up here doesn't really matter. And you don't recognize that, you, that your role actually plays a huge significance in the thriving of your little organization. Um, then you're not going to prioritize your spiritual health, your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health, um, because you just don't really see, you're not convinced that you play a huge role in the thriving of your family. Um, and so when you start to shift that, when you start to think, man, if I wasn't around, if I'm not fully engaged, like our family is going to fail on some level, uh, whether that be really big or really small, like my family needs me to step up and to lead us well, to cast vision, to look for parts in our system and our process that aren't failing or, or that are failing and that aren't going very well. Like when you start to see yourself as an important role, as a leader who's that your family is counting on you to step up and to lead them well, then you recognize like, dude, I need to like prioritize my time with the Lord. Like, am I actually spending time with Jesus? Am I mentally healthy? Do I, am I like processing my sin well? Am I 
processing life well with other people? Am I physically like, dude, are you just like eating junk food and uh, not taking care of your body? Are you not moving enough? Like, bro, the, the realities, all this stuff plays into it. I've talked about this before, but like all of this plays into it, man. I'm not saying like be a meathead. I'm not hitting the gym, you know, five times a week, lifting tons of weights and yelling, barking and all, you know, <laughs> uh, that started starting to make personal jabs there. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not like this big old crazy fit health nut, but there are, there are parts of me that want to like, I want to be conscious of what I'm eating and putting my body and my exercising well, because I know, again, it's not just for physical health sake. I'm not just want to be like vain and worry about how I look. I want to be healthy spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, because I know that I play a big role in my family. Like my family needs me. My family needs a CEO to lead us well and to take care of us and to, uh, to cast vision and to, to recognize problems and to, you know, care for the hearts and to check in with each team member. I play a valuable role, bro. You play a valuable role in your family. And so you have to prioritize your spiritual, your, your mental, your emotional, and your physical health. Know that your family, just like a good organization, is counting on you to lead them well. And so make sure that you don't undermine how important these things are, taking care of yourself so that you can take care of others really, really well. And the last and the fifth thing here is this. Uh, a good CEO, and, and again, this is going to be a pretty strong spiritual bent here. This isn't always true for every organization. But for us as Christian leaders, I'll just say it really candidly and frankly, uh, a good spiritual leader admits that he's not at all capable of doing this job on his own. Um, and so, dude, just recognize that God has set you before the foundations of the world. God said, I want you to lead your kids and your family. Think about that for a second. God knew who your kids would be, and he knew who your wife was going to be, and he chose you. He picked you for the job of leading them well. But listen, you by yourself don't possess the ability to give them everything they need. They need a better leader. They need Jesus. And so you, if you want to be a good spiritual leader, Instead of trying to think, well, this all relies on me, a good spiritual leader, a good CEO of your little organization would say, I desperately need Jesus. And you don't take that lightly. I've always said this. I've said it. We have a free ebook that you can download uh, if you go to dadtire.com forward slash free book. And I give 10 practical ways to start leading your family today. But one of the things I say in that little ebook is I say to not pray is to silently declare that you have more power over your situation than Jesus does. When you don't pray, you're subconsciously saying, I got this. I don't really need God. And so we as men, as humble leaders will say, I, I, man, I cannot do this. I don't have the patience. I don't have the wisdom. I can't provide everything my family needs without the Holy Spirit working in and through me to give my family what I cannot give them on my own. And so a good leader, a good spiritual leader spends time with the Father often. Dude, my prayers, especially lately, have been, God, give me wisdom beyond everything. Man, I'm trying to like buy a house and provide for my family and do all these things. But beyond all of that, God, what I really want is your wisdom. Wisdom way beyond myself. God, that you would give me the wisdom to lead my family well, to love my wife well, to check in with her heart well, to love my kids well, to make decisions for our family that are best for your kingdom. God, I want your wisdom. 
the best spiritual leaders are the ones that say, I cannot do this on my own. I desperately need Jesus. So again, I'm just going to fly through these very, very quickly to recap. Number one, you set vision for the family instead of being told what to do. Number two, you check in with each team member. You have a good gauge on the overall morale of your family. Number three, you recognize flaws in the system. Are there things that are broken? And are you whining about it, complaining about it, frustrated about it? Or are you thinking through solutions and empowering your team to help solve the problem? Again, I'll talk more about this when we talk about team meetings, when I have Layla on. That will be coming in the coming weeks. We'll we'll dive more into that, where you can really help empower your whole team to help solve the problem. Uh, You prioritize your own spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical health, knowing that you play a big role in the family. And in order to do that well, you need to take care of yourself well. And finally, you admit that you are not at all capable of doing this job on your own. You desperately need God to do in and through you what you cannot do in and through yourself. I love you guys. I hope that's helpful. If it is, man, would you just share it? If you've got a dad friend that you're like, bro, this is helpful for me. Hopefully it's helpful for you. Would you just pass it on to him, screenshot it, this episode, send it over to him or hit that share button and send him a direct link to the episode. I love you guys. I always pray that this is helpful. Come join us in the Facebook community. Hit me up personally uh, at Dad Tired on any of the social media platforms. I'd love to hear how you're processing this. And if it was helpful for you, I love you guys. Have a great week. I'll see you next time. Bye.